Um, before the message, I want to uh, pray. And today, instead of just using a prayer that I would normally just do extemporaneously, I want to use a, a prayer that came from the 13th century. And I think you'll recognize the last part of it. Let's pray. Lord Jesus Christ, we thank you for all the benefits you have won for us, for all the pains and insults you have borne for us. Most merciful Redeemer, friend and brother, may we know you more clearly, love you more dearly, and follow you more nearly day by day. Amen. Uh, a few days ago, I was talking to a guy I know named John, who um, one of his jobs is he's an Uber driver. And last Sunday, he was uh, driving a woman to the airport, a young woman. She was kind of filled with t piercings and tattoos, which is fine. And, and, uh, but that's just how he described her. Anyway, in their conversation in the car, uh, she was eventually came to the point where she was telling about she was worried about a family member. Maybe that's why she was going to the airport, so she could go see that person. And uh, so in the course of the conversation, uh, John began to, you know, go into this a little more and said, would you, would you like me to pray f for you and for your family member? And she was open to that. And so uh, when they got to the terminal, she, he stopped, and then he he said a prayer, and it meant a lot to her, and God seemed to really be in that moment. You know, some people have a real winsome way of being able to, to bring Jesus into just about any conversation, and it works. Uh, you know, John was saying, you know, for him, that just comes out. He doesn't have to consciously turn it on. It's just like it's always on. That's his spiritual gift. Now, I would say that me personally... I don't think I have that gift because to me, I mean, I could kind of do that, but I, I'd have to turn it on. I have to think about it. And um, uh, I could have, I could, if I'd been the Uber driver, I could have had that conversation. I could have prayed with her, but I might have missed it too. I might, I might miss a lot of opportunities because it's not, it doesn't just flow out of me real naturally. Uh, so a couple years ago, I learned a thing called bless. And bless seemed to be a way for me to, to let Jesus shine through my life, maybe not to everybody I meet, but at least to a few friends um, and maybe others who would become friends in my life. Uh, today is the third of a four-part series called Hashtag Be Kind. Um, and I, I have to confess that Today's message wasn't originally going to be in this series. It was going to be after this series. But then it seemed, well, be kind and bless kind of fit together. Um, bless is a way to be kind to someone. And so one, uh, you, if you see the banners on the walls there on either side, uh, you see bless. Uh, bless stands for begin with prayer, listen with care eat together, uh, serve in love, share your story. And it's also on the back of your bulletin. If you notice there, every week it's on the back there. Will you say those with me? 
Begin with prayer, listen with care, eat together, serve in love, share your story. So I am still learning how to be a blessed friend, especially with my friends who are still finding their way back to God. And that's really what bless is all about. I mean, you can use bless in any relationship, but the way we're talking about it here is especially with our friends who are still finding their way back to God. Uh, bless has helped me because compared to people like my friend John, I feel insecure and unqualified. Did you know pastors feel that way sometimes? Yeah. Maybe you do too. Feel insecure and unqualified. And yet I believe that Faith Westwood is the right kind of church in the perfect kind of situation to learn and practice bless. I wouldn't teach bless to a church that wasn't warmly welcoming to newcomers. But you are warmly welcoming to newcomers. I hear that from new people. I wouldn't teach bless to a church that wasn't a praying church. But you are a praying church. I wouldn't teach blessed to a, to a church that didn't have high-quality, what I call essential ministries, ministries with children and, and students and adult groups and pastoral care, but this church has high-quality uh, of those essential ministries. I wouldn't teach blessed to a church that wasn't committed to serving its community, but you are. You are committed to serving this community. Faith Westwood is a kind of church that when you're a blessed friend and you have blessed friendships, that, they, that this is the kind of church that will partner with you because some of your blessed friends will end up coming here. And you know that they're going to be well received and that they're going to get connected quickly and that they're going to have opportunities to come to know Jesus and become his deep, daring, daily disciple. You know, there are, there are times and places where it's relatively easy for a church to grow. If you're a strong, healthy church, and that was true for Faith Westwood in the 70s and 80s and especially in the 90s, this part of Millard was, was growing and, and, and a good number of people who were, were moving in here were church people who were looking for a new church home. Faith Westwood was, was there, was a strong, healthy church, and, and it experienced a period of, of pretty rapid growth. It was kind of like, if you build it, they will come, and they came. But... This part of Millard is no longer growing in population. And we know times have changed. Uh, a much smaller percentage of people are actively looking for a church these days as compared to 20, 30, 40 years ago. A passive approach will no longer work. Do you hear me on that one? A passive approach isn't going to work anymore. You know, we did this remodel on a building. I think it was important work to do, but it's not going to bring anybody to this church or to the Lord. And I believe, I believe that unless a lot of us learn to become blessed friends, this church will eventually die. We won't bring in enough new people to replace those who die and move away. What will happen? What will happen in 20 years? Will there be, enough, will there be not enough new people 
to keep this big building going? Or will this building be overflowing with people and life and ministry? In 20 years, will we be forced to sell the property? Or will we become a model for churches learning to stretch beyond their insecurity and feeling unqualified? Let's open our Bibles, okay? John chapter 4, Pew Bibles on page 1066. If you want to reach around behind you, there's some Bibles, or maybe underneath you too, there might be some Bibles. Okay. Um, earlier in chapter 4, I want to kind of recount what happened starting in verse 1. Jesus and his disciples had been traveling north uh, from Judea up to Galilee, uh, and for some reason they take the shortcut through Samaria, which most Jews didn't do. They, they arrive at a well, but none of them have a jar to get water out of the well. Uh, Jesus' Jesus's disciples, they walk on to a nearby town to go buy food, but Jesus doesn't go along. He's, he's, he's pretty tired. And so he just sits by the well to rest a little bit. It's noon, it's hot, and a woman comes along with her jar to draw water at the well. Now this is unusual because normally uh, women come in groups early in the morning to draw water for the day, but this woman doesn't do that. She comes alone at midday. She can tell from, from Jesus' clothes that he's not Samaritan. He's a Jew. And she knows that Jews really look down their noses at Samaritans, Jewish men especially, Look down on Samaritan women. And then he asks her for a drink, freaks her out, like, you know, for two reasons. First of all, that she would actually talk with him, and second, because he's willing to drink from her cup. Who would have thought of that? And so she asked him why, why he would do that, and he says, well, if you ask me, I'll give you a special kind of water that will quench your thirst forever like an internal spring gushing up to eternal life. And she doesn't really know what that means, but it sounds pretty good. So Jesus tells her to go back into town and go get her husband and come back. And she says, I have no husband. Jesus thanks her for her honesty and then reveals what he also knows about her. She's had five husbands, and the guy she's with right now, she's not married to. And that's probably why she's not welcome with the other women early in the morning coming to draw water. And then she tries to engage Jesus in the classic debate between Jews and Samaritans about where to worship. But Jesus doesn't take the bait. <laughs> He's not going to get into that argument. Location isn't the main thing when it comes to worship. And then Jesus tells her, he's the Messiah. He's the one who will fulfill everything that God has promised. Just then, Jesus' disciples return, and they're also shocked, freaked out that Jesus is talking to this Samaritan woman. And now we come to verses 28 and 29. And that's where I'm going to ask you to follow along with me. Okay? Got your Bibles open? Here we go. Then, leaving her water jar, the woman went back to town and said to the people, Come, see a man who told me everything I ever did. 
could this be the Messiah? Now, she might have been thinking, well, who am I to be inviting people to come meet the Messiah? I mean, look at me. I'm no model person. I've had five failed marriages. I'm an outcast in my own town. She has every reason to feel insecure and unqualified. But she tells her story anyway. Come out to the well with me, everybody. You've got to meet this guy. I mean, God must be with him. How else would he know so much about me? He read me like a book. And then what happens? Her neighbors are amazingly receptive. Let's jump down to verse 39. Many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So, today I've got one main thought, one big idea that I want you to take home, and here it is. God uses people like you and me who feel insecure and unqualified to invite our friends to meet Jesus. You know, it's always been this way. Through the centuries, it's always been this way. God uses people like you and me. And bless is a way, I believe, for, for insecure, unqualified people to feel like we can get started. A few years ago, uh, God opened a door for me to have a, a friend who, he's, he's told me up flat out. He says, I have no interest in church. I have no use for it. And yet we remain friends. Recently, he's been through some challenging times, and it's given me an oppor opportunity to prove that I'm, I'm really going to be a friend. You know, I'm not going to give up on him, and I'm, gonna, I'm, he, I'm the kind of person that, that he can count on. And it's not that I really do anything big, but I'm there for him, and I care for him, and I listen to him, and I practice kindness, really. I'm trying to be a blessed friend. You know, over the years, I've shared with him just a little bit about some of the stuff that our church does in, in the community, and he thinks that's cool. And he knows that I pray for him all the time. And, and he knows that I believe in him. No matter what has happened in his past, and no matter what's going on right now. Recently, he asked me, so does your church have, like, Bible studies and stuff like that? And I thought, ah, his heart is becoming a little bit open. And, he, and by the way, he gave me permission to share a little bit about our friendship this morning, which I also thought was just another little sign of openness. And what I have found really is that being a blessed friend isn't that hard. I just have to believe that God is going to work through my friendships. Sometimes in spite of me, sometimes through me, but God's going to be at work in my friendships. Uh, and I was wondering about you. What do you think about that? Is, do you expect God to be at work in your friendships? Um, you know, I, I can look back and, and trace that this has happened over and over in my life. I go back to when I was in college, and I had a fraternity brother named Stu. My, my friend Randy and I had, had you know, before, a couple times it invited Stu if he wanted to come to a, a campus Bible study with us. Um, but he wasn't really interested. And I think from all outward appearances, most people would say, well, he, Stu, he's not that kind of guy. And then one day, as, as Randy and I were heading out the door, Stu says, hey, 
Are you guys going to that Bible study? Well, yeah. Okay, if I come along, sure. And that was the beginning. And Stu became a believer in Jesus and a disciple. And that was the first step. And we really didn't do anything. We were just friends. We, we, we did pray for our, our friends in the house and, and we listened to them and we ate meals together and we worked alongside each other and, and sometimes we shared a little bit of our story about and, and we, we were all trying to follow Jesus as best we could and we, they knew we went to a Bible study sometimes. And, but it's just amazing to me how God works through my friendships. So let's say this together, shall we? As you see it on the screen. God uses people like you and me who feel insecure and unqualified to invite our friends to meet Jesus. And really, our role is just introductory, right? Because that person and the Lord have to take it from there. Let, let's look at verse 42 where the Samaritan villagers speak to the woman. It says, they said to the woman, we no longer believe just because of what you said. Now we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this man really is the Savior of the world. Um, you know, I, I, I kind of prepare the Sunday messages through the week, and on Thursday as I was working, um, a couple words that I was, had, they rhymed, and then I started playing around with it. And I go, well, so I, I, by the end of the day, I came up with short, four short stanzas uh, that are based on the story of Jesus and the woman at the well. And um, I'm going to share it with you. Like it or not, right? <laughs> he meets you where you live. He looks into your eyes. He asks your help, yet offers more. A life that satisfies he knows all you have done and what's been done to you. Still, he delights to call you friend. May your friends know him too. Your faith may be confused, your life may be a mess, yet Jesus gladly blesses you, and neighbors now you bless. Your friends and neighbors say, We heard your sincere call. Now we have heard him for ourselves, the Savior of us all. Now, the great thing about this certain kind of poetry is that you can stick hymn tunes onto it. And that's what they used to do kind of in, in different days. They'd, pastors would sometimes even write the, a hymn of the week to go with their message. And then they would put one of the hymn tunes that the people already knew. So I'm going to take a hymn tune from the hymnal, which we don't really sing in this service. So you might not know it, but hopefully it's not too hard. You can catch along. And Brenda's going to play it through once for us. We'll put the words on the screen, and we're going to try to sing it. Okay? You just, you just stay seated. All right, that'd be good. into your eyes he 
friend, trying to be a blessed friend. I'm a blessed friend because I believe this is true. God uses people like you and me, even though we feel insecure and unqualified, to invite our friends to meet Jesus. So I've made a commitment to do at least one thing each day to be a blessed friend. And most of the time, that's just pray. Okay? And there are some days when I forget to do that, to pray for these people. But I'm trying. And I, ha I know I have to keep praying because if I don't, I'm not going to do the other four things. I'm not going to see those opportunities and, and follow up on those. Uh, so there are a few people that I pray for um, every day or nearly every day. None of them are churchgoers. One of them is the friend that I told you about earlier. Uh, that's probably the, the friendship where I'm most actively uh, trying to be a blessed person to. Uh, there's also a family that I've gotten to know a few years ago, and I try to keep in touch with them. Uh, there's also uh, someone in my family that I'm trying to be that kind of blessed person with. And then there's also a group of neighbors that Trisha and I are just trying to get to know better. A couple of weeks ago, we pulled the fire pit out to the front in the driveway, and uh, I started knocking just on several doors right in the neighborhood around us and uh, just said, hey, uh, we're going to have s'mores out in our front yard, uh, front driveway in about a half hour. Come if you want to. Come if you can. Well, amazingly, 14 uh, adults and kids showed up, and, and that was great. We had plenty, and... Uh, you know, I think mostly it was just the kids who had some oars, but, um, you know, people just sat around, sat around the fire and, and just talked for about an hour and a half, and it was a pretty cool thing. Um, I think we're going to try to do something a little bit similar next month as well, while the weather's still good for that kind of thing. And that's, so anyway, that's what it looks like right now in my life, uh, trying to be a blessed friend. I don't do it perfectly. I'm still learning as I go. So, what if 50 people from this church said, Steve, I'm going to do that too. I'm going to make a commitment to do my best to do at least one blessed 
thing to be a blessed friend every day? What if 50 of you said, you know, may, maybe I don't have any blessed friendships now and, and I really don't know where to start, but I'm going to start praying about it and see where God takes me. What if 50 people from this church said, you know, I know what it's like to feel insecure and unqualified when it comes to all this, just like the Samaritan woman, but I'm also going to dare to believe that God is going to be at work in my friendships. If 50 of you, if 50 people from this church over the next year were willing to do one thing to be a blessed friend, if 50 people from this church were willing to say, okay, count me in, I don't know what I'm getting into, but I'm going to try to do at least one thing every day, and maybe most days it'll be to pray, I'm going to do one thing every day to be a blessed friend. I believe it would spark a blaze of blessing that God would use to bring people to Christ. It would spark a blaze of blessing that would spread throughout this church and more people would say, well, I don't want to be left out. I want to be a blessed friend too. So I'm looking. I'm looking out at you and I'm looking for 50 people who are going to be willing to try this for a year. And my commitment over this year is to support you, okay? I want to support you, um, and mostly that's going to be in terms of maybe sending an, an email or creating a little video of encouragement and instruction for you. Um, on October 14th, which is, what, three weeks from today, I'm going to host a, a little lunch after worship uh, where we can talk about this and kind of to see where we're going to go with it and, and to, I need to listen to you as well as you, you hear from me. And, and you know what else I found is that being a blessed friend doesn't take a lot of time out of my life because I try to just do it in the things I'm already doing. And, in, and I try to, to bring it into the relationships that I already have. So it doesn't take a lot of extra time, but it does take a lot of extra love. And that's another reason why I have to keep praying for God to give me that love. So, who's willing to give it a try for a year? And here's how you can let me know. Um, take another connection card that you see in the pew rack there. Write your name on it. And beside your name, write, Blessed Friend. I even filled one out myself says, Steve Todd, blessed friend. Now, I recognize that not everybody's going to do this. And so between the two services, I'm, I'm looking, I'm hoping, I'm praying for 50 people, and that will be a start. And I believe that the future of this church depends on it. And I believe that what happens in God's kingdom depends on it despite how insecure and unqualified we feel right now. So, after the service, but I've, got, I've got the cards from the first service. After the service, I'm going to be right here. And uh, so, if you have filled out a card, you can just come up, hand it to me. Okay? That's all you got to do. After we get done and the band's playing our send-out music, 
Come up, bring me a card. I'll make sure to uh, uh, send you a reminder about October 14th if you can come. But I'll be in touch with you otherwise as well. Okay? Let's pray. Oh, Lord Jesus, we want to thank you that you were a blessed friend to that woman there that came to the well and to all those Samaritans uh, in that village. And so, Lord, we, we want to learn from you how to, how to do this, how to bring it into our lives, how to, to let you shine through uh, our friendships. And, to Lord, we want to just put our faith in you, dear God, that you, that you all want to work and are working through our friendships. Um, so, that, Jesus, we, I just pray that you'll allow this to become a movement here at our church, even if it starts small. And that more and more we'll see that, that you want to be a part of this. You are in it. And that there'll be a lot of stories shared about how you are in it. What it means that we, to be a blessed friend. So Jesus, we, we're listening to you. We want to learn from you and be more like you every day. In your name we pray. Amen.